All right, hello City First. I'm so happy that you're here today. Come on, put your hands together for Cape Coral. Everyone join us City First Anywhere and God Behind Bars, come on. Love you guys very much, and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again, if you're in the house, that's awesome. If you're online, that is awesome, too. We're happy that you are here. Um, you know what? Two weeks from the day, ladies and gentlemen, two weeks from the day, it is Christmas, all right? Are you guys ready for that? Um, how many of you still have a lot of gifts to go buy, right? My hand is up on this. How many of you find it uh, sometimes difficult to purchase gifts for certain people in your lives because they either are hard to buy for or they have everything or whatever. Come on, raise your hand if you have those people. My hand is up on that, right? Uh, you know, it, sometimes it's just a little bit difficult. I even asked Jen. I said, Jen, what do you want for Christmas? And she said, nothing. Nothing would make me happier than a diamond necklace. And I said, well, then I'm planning on getting you nothing. Get it? Nothing would make you happier. Get it? Okay, all right. Also, you know, in, uh, in lieu of some more cheesy Christmas jokes, um, what do you call someone who's afraid of Santa Claus? They're claustrophobic. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's going downhill, all right? Uh, here, here, last one, all right? What did Adam say the day before Christmas? It's Christmas Eve. Turn to the other person and say it just got worse. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on. We're going to move on from the cheesy Christmas jokes. Uh, two weeks from now is Christmas, which means that the days before that, uh, we actually have Christmas services here at City First. And um, in all honesty, all jokes aside, one of the best gifts that you can give somebody is the gift of an invitation because that invitation may create a visitation in their life by God that could create a new destination for their entire life. And so I just want to encourage you to pray now what coworker, what friend, what fellow student, what neighbor, what family member can you invite? In fact, if you're at a physical locations, you'll see on the seats that there are these invite cards. Take them with you. In fact, I don't care if you take a bunch with you, all right, as long as you use them. Make sure that you pass them out to people, coworkers, friends, wherever, and invite people to come because this is one thing that I know. Right now, our world needs hope. All right? Not that it didn't ever before COVID or all the craziness after COVID. It needed hope then too, but it really needs hope now. And one of the things that we are going to do is during our Christmas services, we are going to share hope. We're going to share hope to people. And I promise you, I will not have any cheesy Christmas jokes. I promise you, okay? I promise. So anyway, no, invite people to come and uh, bring them. In fact, uh, when you invite them, maybe even say if you're at a physical location, hey, listen, I'll meet you beforehand and sit with them because here's the reason why. It's sometimes daunting going to church, especially if you've never been to church. You don't know what to do or where to sit. Well, listen, if you have a friend there, someone that you know, a familiar face, sometimes it makes it easier. So invite them and then kind of like meet them in the foyer or whatever. And if you're joining us online, why don't you do a watch party at your house or something like that? Or maybe even the break room of where you work, pull out your iPad and watch it online or watch it on your Apple TV or YouTube or wherever else. Just let's get creative in the next couple weeks here and let's invite people, okay? Um, we are in a series that we are calling Make Room. 
And the reason why we entitled it this is because we want to make room for the real reason of this season. Because I'll tell you, if we don't make room for the presence of Jesus, other things are going to crowd our heart, like stress and, uh, you know, hustle and bustle, craziness of Christmas, and sometimes like, you know, the awkward Christmas dinners, and all those kind of things like that could easily kind of consume us. Instead, we want God's presence to be in our lives. We want to make room for His presence. I talked about that last week. This week, I'm talking about making room for a revelation, Making room for a revelation. Now, let me just put this in the layman's terms for a minute, because the minute I use the word revelation, some people go, whoa, that's kind of a big, heavy, 10-pound word or whatever. Well, let's just make it really simple. Revelation is just when God speaks to you. It's when He speaks to you. And uh, really, if you think about it, the whole celebration of Christmas is a revelation of God showing Himself to us. In fact, God sent himself, his son Jesus, and before this, we knew the name of God and we knew the commands of God, but we really didn't know God. Now, after Jesus, God has a face. God walked among us. We know how God acts because if you ever want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. That is what God is like. And so, it says in John chapter 1, verse 18, no man has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. In other words, we see now God because we see Jesus. It's a revelation. And what Jesus spoke to us is God speaking to us. It's a revelation. And some of us today, we really need something new. We need something new. We don't need a new shirt for Christmas or a new tie or a new pair of socks or, or a new sweater. We actually need something new. We're stuck in a cycle right now in life that feels mundane or maybe it's not the cycle that we want to be in. Maybe we're even discouraged or maybe we find ourselves in a place of frustration. We need a fresh word from God. We need a revelation. We need a fresh wind of God in our spirits. We need a revelation. In fact, it's interesting the same uh, way that the angels announced the birth of Jesus and it marked a brand new era, a brand new season in our world. The world would never be the, change, the same again. It would be completely changed. We also need to make room for God and we need a visitation, you could say. Now, um, I, I want to just quantify this for a moment. Uh, you know, for some of us, maybe that means a revelation is making Jesus the leader and the forgiver of our lives. Like, we just have never taken that step of faith. Maybe you're even watching for the first time today, and you're like, I, I really am not the religious type. Um, I really don't know what to do. Well, we're not the religious type either. We're into relationship. Religion is man-made rules. Relationship is what Jesus actually died for so that we could have relationship. So maybe for you, a revelation is I take a first step into making Jesus the leader and the forgiver of my life. Maybe for some of us have already done that. Maybe we're followers of Jesus. Maybe for us, a brand new revelation is saying, God, I need to, I need to get out of just the rote and the ritual of my faith. I just, I need something new. I want, I want something fresh. I need, I need to have a fresh wind of your spirit and a fresh relationship. Every relationship can grow old if we allow it. 
And it isn't because God makes his relationship grow old. It's because we kind of get into the, uh, here comes Sunday, I go to church. And, you know, it just kind of gets into a rote and a ritual. From time to time, even myself, I think it's important you hear this because some of you think as a pastor that I just kind of like, you know, I float from appointment to appointment and God speaks to me or whatever. I'm just like you. I get into a rut. I get into a rut with my faith. In fact, this week alone, um, out of the last six nights, four of them I spent at church events. And then during the day of almost all six days, I literally was doing church stuff. I was doing appointments. I was prepping messages like the one I'm speaking right now. I was doing, if I don't watch out, even being the leader of a church can become rote and ritual routine and just going through the motions. I also, this Christmas season, just so you know, my prayer is I want a fresh revelation. In other words, a fresh word from God. You do too, I guarantee it. So are you stuck in a cycle or are you moving forward? Um, You know what? I found out just in life that there are usually three ways that we um, follow Jesus, where we hear Jesus, where we invite him to, to, to come into our space, where we make room for him. The first way is this, is through desperation. Desperation is when you have a 911 going on in your life. And that 911, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, God, I, I need you right now. You need to show up. Um, maybe you've exhausted all of your resources, all of your ideas. You come to the end of the proverbial rope, whatever, and now you need God to show up. And so out of desperation, you turn to him. We all do this from time to time. I've done it. You've done it, too. Also, the second way is this, is through deliberation. You say, well, what is deliberation? That's where you kind of deliberate. You, you kind of think it through. You use your mind and you think of, of, of ways you logically make sense that God's going to help you out or I'm going to follow God and you kind of thought it all through. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with using your mind. In fact, uh, we say this a lot around here. You don't have to check your brain at the door when you walk into a church, all right? You shouldn't do that. God gave us a mind. He wants us to think. However, sometimes for us, Many of us are prone to like, we want to figure out how God is going to answer our prayer. We got to figure out how God is going to meet our need. What exactly is the benefit of following him and walking by faith? And so what we do is we say, well, that makes sense. So therefore, I'll follow Jesus. Now, we've all done this too. There's, again, there's seasons of this. But I think there's a third level that I want to talk about today. And that is the level of following Jesus because of revelation. In other words, God spoke to you. He speaks to you. Now, again, let me quantify this, especially for those of us that are new, maybe visiting for the first time. That doesn't mean that he speaks to you in an audible way. It's not like he ever said to me, Jeremy. He's never done that, okay? If so, I would freak out, okay? That is not what I'm talking about. God speaks in mysterious ways. I'll tell you what, um, he speaks through his word. I think he's speaking right now. He speaks through other people. Like, I listen to messages just like you're listening to my message. And guess what? The Holy Spirit takes the words of the speaker and somehow makes them land in your heart that makes sense. And it feels like, oh, that was God. That's somehow how he speaks to you. Sometimes a little nudge, a little maybe your conscience kind of gets bumped a little bit. Um, Definitely through the Word of God like I talked about. Sometimes it's an impression. God wants to give a revelation to each and every one of us. And, and again, don't let that, you know, $10 word or 10-pound word or whatever, like, scare you off. It just means that he speaks to you. 
And I want to talk today about someone very famous in the Bible that he spoke to. This happened to be an in-person visitation, something that's never happened to probably 99.9% of us. But you know what? The mother Mary, soon to be mother Mary, Mary was visited by an angel. And we find the story in Luke chapter 1. This is the beginning of what we now call the Christmas story in the book of Luke. And it says this in verse 26. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed like you and I would be too if an angel appeared. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Do, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. In other words, she was living a life that positioned her for a revelation. All right, do you understand that? I'm not even preaching on that today. That's free, okay? But evidently, she was living a life that helped her hear from God. She wasn't running from God. She wasn't living in disobedience. Now, we all live in some disobedience. None of us are perfect. But she was doing her best, right? And God spoke to her says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And you know what? It's kind of interesting. Many times when God speaks something into our hearts, our reaction is the exact same as Mary's. How is this going to happen? God speaks to you. He says something to you, and what do you say? How is that going to happen? How is this going to happen? In fact, how are you going to rescue me, God, from this situation? I know that the pastor said that I'll be more than victorious. I'll be more than a conqueror. Well, how are you going to do it, God? Or, or, or God, you know what? You're, you're nudging me to give in the legacy offering. Well, how am I going to be able to make ends meet? Or how are you going to provide for me if I give? Or or. You know what? I got the diagnosis from the doctor, and it's pretty grim. And you know what? God, you say that you're going to heal. How are you going to heal me? How are you going to make it be that I can go through this? How are you going to fulfill the vision you put in my heart? How, how, how? Well, I'll tell you the very first thing. If you want God to speak to you, if you want a revelation from God, you must embrace ambiguity. No amens on that one. And the reason why is no one wants ambiguity. Everybody wants the roadmap. Everyone wants exactly how God is going to fulfill his promise. If God calls you, you want to know every step of the way. But this is the thing. When there is a voice in your heart that is nudging you to do something, many times there is also not the fine print that is being like written or given to you. It is basically just the headline, right? I've never had God nudge me to do something and simultaneously fill me in on all the details on how he's going to do it. It's never happened. Never, never. In fact, it's always been a leap of faith. I've never had God do that. In fact, there's always been a lot of unknowns. The Bible says this, that we walk by faith and not by sight. We navigate by faith and not by Google Maps. 
okay, where there's like a turn by turn, turn here, turn left, turn right in 500 feet. All right, I wish that that was our faith walk. It's not. Most of the time, God nudges you, He speaks to you, and then there tends to be a little bit of silence. You know, we always don't see how God is going to do it. We just know this, that He will be true to His Word. We know that He'll be true to His Word. Now, we want God's uh, revelation. I mean, all of us are like, God, speak to me. Like, I don't know anybody that's like, no, God, I don't want you to speak to me. We all want God to speak to us, but then we also want the instruction manual explaining how it's going to happen. And it just does not work that way. I remember when uh, God spoke to Jen and I, literally nudged us, we felt it in our heart, that we were supposed to um, put our names in to, um, to say yes to the leadership of this church back in 2007. I remember the board approached us and said, uh, you know, we would like you guys to consider it. We said we'd pray about it. We prayed about it. We felt like we were supposed to do it. But God said, yes, green light, But guess what he didn't tell me? Anything else. Like literally. He just didn't tell me like how to deal with it. He didn't tell me how, like, you know, what kind of ability it was going to take. I didn't think I had the ability to do it. Sometimes I still don't think I had the ability to do it. You know, it, it was like the church was in a really rough spot. It was like a breath away from closing its doors because of bankruptcy or at least certain parts of the entities of this place. Because of that, we, you know, we were low on money. Uh, the staff was disgruntled. There are all kinds of things. All God said was, I want you to lead it. That was it. Like, literally, that was it. And then everything else, he went radio silence on me. And I'd be like, God, what am I supposed to do here? What am I supposed to do? And, and this is what I noticed. It was like, as I took that step of faith, and as Jen took that step of faith, and we got into the position, all of a sudden, as we were traveling down the road, there were little nudges here, little words here, little indicators here, and all of a sudden, we were navigating now 15 years later, and God has done everything that he has done. You see, we want the whole list of exactly the play-by-play, the turn-by-turn, It's okay to have questions. It's okay to ask God questions. But listen, I hate to say it, God is under no obligation to answer those questions. He just wants us to obey the word he already gave. Sometimes God gives a word. Again, this isn't in my notes. This is free. All right, God gives a word. And when he gives a word, then all of a sudden we start questioning the word and we want him to say the word again. And many times... God will come back to us and say, I didn't stutter. I stated it once. Just obey it. But we want more, right? So this is what I've discovered. In over 30 years of following Jesus, in big words from God, small words from God, and everywhere in between. And by the way, it's not like God speaks to me every day or anything like that. But you know when God's nudging you to do something, this is what you do. You do it afraid. That's what you do. You do it afraid. Now, some of you don't want to hear that. Like, you know, like, today, this whole message is like, oh, I'm out of my comfort zone. Great. Yes, exactly. Sometimes you just step out in faith and you do it afraid. You do it afraid. You don't do it because you got all the information you need. You just do it afraid. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can trust the character and the word of God. If he said it, he will do it. Do you understand that? He'll do it. 
Listen to Mary's um, tone change, okay? Because she asks the question, how? How? I'm a virgin, right? Goes on to say, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby will be born, to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. Listen, for the Word of God will never fail. So the angel's going, hey, listen, what God says, he's going to make it happen. Mary responded. Now listen, look at the tone here. I am the Lord's servant. It went from how to I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. And then she says, may everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. In other words, she had a tone change. She changed from how to I'm all in. I'm all in. I don't understand it. I'm all in. So if you want to make room for God's revelation, his voice in your life, it requires obedience. It requires obedience. Obedience means that you hear God and then you act immediately. In other words, we live in a culture who many times, our culture is full of procrastination. We talk a good game, but we don't follow it up with action many times. Like, someday I'll follow God Someday, you know, I'll get a job. Someday I'll tithe. Someday I'll get in a life group. Someday I will get out of this negative friendship group that's always dragging me down. Someday I'll stop trying to find that person at the bars. Someday I'll get better friends. Someday I'll get a new habit. Someday I'll read the Bible and pray. Someday I'll start saving money. Someday I will, you fill in the blank. We do this all the time. Someday, tomorrow, later. The problem is someday never comes because it's never easy. That's the, we think it's going to be easier tomorrow. It's actually harder tomorrow. Obedience starts today. Obedience acts today. In fact, the Bible even says this, choose you this day who you're going to serve. It's like God's going, don't, don't be waiting around on this. We're not guaranteed tomorrow for one. But listen, are you going to obey today? See, Mary said, okay, I'm in. I don't understand it, but I'm in. And, and you know what? Let me just ask this question. Let me ask the question. When does someday become today for you? When does someday become today? Some of you know. You know, you know. In fact, can I tell you, if you're watching right now online, and if, if, if you're immunocompromised, or maybe you aren't near a physical City First location, you can't come in person, then, then listen, just plug your ears for a moment. But for some of us, we used to be faithfully attending church. We used to come all the time, but now we got into the habit after COVID of sitting in our PJs with our coffee mug and just turning on. Okay, and listen, there's nothing wrong with that sometimes. I'm all for it. We have literally tens of thousands of people watching online, but this is the thing. You need to sometimes be in person, and you know God is nudging you to come back in person. Hey, listen, here's the wake-up call. Do it today. Do it now. When has someday become the today for you? And again, if, if you can't come or there's other reasons, extenuating circumstances, I understand. There's no guilt with that. But some of us, we're fighting God because we know we should go back in person. We just don't want to. We'll do it next weekend or the weekend after that, the weekend after that. Shortly after the angel visited Mary, um, she had a lot of difficult conversations ahead of her. Uh, you know, these aren't listed in the Bible. Like, you don't go in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John and see these conversations, but they are inferred. And uh, you got to remember that, that if all of a sudden you're pregnant 
and you're engaged to somebody, what is everybody assuming happened, right? Well, in Jesus' day, in Middle Eastern culture 2,000 years ago, if you were pregnant outside of a marriage, outside of wedlock, it was extremely taboo. So much so that your family and friends would completely disown you. You'd be thrown out on the street. I'm not saying that doesn't happen today, that, that sometimes, you know, that happens in some families and things like that, but I'm talking back then, that was the cultural norm. On top of that, now I know this sounds crazy to us Americans because we can't uh, fathom this, but, but on top of that, there was a, a good chance that you might be killed because they so believed in the religion of that day that if you got pregnant out of wedlock, they, went, they might do an honor killing on you. So, so these are the things that many times we don't understand 2,000 years later in America. We would say, well, that is absolutely incredibly wrong and evil. But, but back then it wasn't. It was like people actually thought they were doing the right thing. You know, it's just interesting. Mary says yes to God's revelation, but I'm telling you, it meant that she had to have a lot of difficult conversations for the next nine months. First of which, going to Joseph and being like, hey, I'm pregnant, and by the way, I didn't have sex. And if you're Joseph, you're like, mm-hmm, right? And then secondly, going to the family, and then going to friends, and all of a sudden the baby bump is showing, and people know that you're not married. There are all kinds of things in that culture of that day that, that she was really up against. In fact, let me give you a last example of one. Nowhere in Roman law can we find in any history that requires a fiancé or a wife to go pay taxes with the man when the man was supposed to pay annual taxes. There's nowhere anywhere in history that the, the woman had to be there with the man to go pay the taxes. And yet, when Mary is in her third trimester weeks away or less from giving birth, she decides to get on a donkey and go almost 90 miles to Bethlehem with her soon-to-be husband to go pay taxes. Why would she do that? It is not required. I don't think there is a woman within the sound of my voice who in the last stages of the third trimester would go, yeah, put me on the donkey. Why did she do it? We believe that Joseph said, Mary, I need you to come with me because if I leave you alone in this town, you are probably going to be physically harmed. It was out of safety that Mary went to Bethlehem. She didn't want to go. Trust me, she didn't want to go any more than any woman in here in her last stages of pregnancy would want to go. But she went. This is the kind of price Mary paid. Do you understand that? The yes cost her something. In fact, I will tell you, in life, there is no innocent yes. When you say yes, there is a cost. There's a cost. So when you make room for God's revelation, it requires a lot of determination. It really does. You're going to come up against resistance. And if it isn't by people, it'll be by the devil. I'm telling you, there will always be resistance. In fact, the enemy is always trying to stop God's word in your life. Do you understand that? 
What's interesting in Mary's story is that God spoke to her through the angel right at the beginning, and nowhere in the Bible do we see God speaking to her specifically again until after Jesus is born. That means for nine months, radio silence. When she is at the height of her battle, this is when, like, like literally, she's talking to her parents, she's talking to her relatives, she's talking to her best friends, I'm pregnant, the Holy Spirit got me pregnant, uh-huh, uh-huh. And she's coming up against a lot of resistance. That'd be the time, if I'm Mary, I'd be like, all right, Gabriel, where are you? Come here. Can you show up and tell them? Radio silence. Radio silence. It's easy to question or become discouraged when you run up against problems after God puts something in your heart. And Mary had a long and difficult nine months. And just because you're facing difficulty, listen to me, doesn't mean that God changed his mind about the revelation. Just because there seems to be silence doesn't mean there's distance. Oh, that's huge. Just because there's silence doesn't mean there's distance. That's not in my notes. (laughs) Okay, because this is the thing. This is the thing. God's promises will carry you through the confrontations. And when God... When God is there speaking to you, he'll also be there when you meet opposition. Never question in the darkness what God spoke to you in the light. Never question it. Hang on to that, baby. Hang on to it. I love what C.S. Lewis, you know, lived last century, wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He was also a great theologian. Um, He wrote this. He said, hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. And so, listen, be ready if you're up against opposition, and you will come up against some opposition. It's going to make you stronger. Jesus is born in Bethlehem, and uh, the angels announce to the shepherds that a Messiah, a Savior, a Rescuer has been born. It says this, it says that in Luke chapter 2, verse 16, they hurried, the shepherds, to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But listen to this. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. There's a difference between the shepherds and Mary. Mary had the revelation. And so now all of a sudden, there is a unique realization from God. If you make room for a revelation, you'll have a unique realization. In other words, the shepherds heard the announcement, but Mary had it in her heart. There was something different now. Like like the miracle was announced to some. Mary had the miracle inside of her. Does that make sense? She saw things differently. She lived differently from that point on. She had greater faith. We're talking about her 2,000 years later. She had unique blessings. Sometimes we look at other people and we go, I wish, I wish that I could have their faith or I wish I could have their blessing or I wish I could have their walk with God. Hey, can I tell you something? That that faith is a result of years of private right choices and hanging on to the word that God gave them. In fact, public blessings are many times the result of private obedience. And so therefore, you know, throughout the centuries, people have wished 
that they could have Mary's blessing and Mary's closeness to Jesus and Mary's ability to be close with God. Well, listen, if you want then that, then walk the path that Mary walked. You see, embrace ambiguity once God puts a word inside your heart. Be willing to not know all the details, but rather say, I'm going to practice obedience. I'm going to have determination when I come up against opposition. I won't give up on God's word. And lastly, realize that you're going to have a special realization, that you're going to have a special thing inside of you. That's what those people that you admire, that's what Mary had. So what is God speaking to you? It may be very simple things. It may not be big things. It may just be like, you know what? I'm, I'm supposed to start giving in this legacy offering. Or maybe it's, I'm supposed to break up with this person that is really bad for me and keeps dragging me down in my faith. Or maybe I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to change jobs. Or maybe I'm supposed to reach out to my neighbor. Maybe I'm supposed to invite my coworker. What? It's little things. God's nudging you. It's not big. It's not like angels are paratrooping through the ceiling and singing glory hallelujah to you. Instead, it's just a little nudge your heart and you just say, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be determined. And when I come up against opposition, I'm going to keep hanging on to that word. And someday I will ponder like Mary the things in my heart and see the blessing of God of breakthrough, ambiguity, obedience, determination, and that it all becomes a realization. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that God, that you do want to speak to us. And even as I've been talking today, I believe there are some people that, God, you've been nudging their heart about something. Lord, may we not be dismissive May we not just move on to the busyness, but may we make room for that word. And may we be okay with the ambiguity. We don't know how you're going to do it. May we be okay being obedient, even in the face of difficulty. May we be determined. May we hang on to that word, and may it come to fruition. With every head bowed and every eye closed, one of the things I said at the beginning of my message is I said a revelation might be two things might be for some of us making Jesus the leader and the forgiver of our lives. And for other people, we're already a Christ follower. It might be a new wind, a new fresh word from God, whatever it is. Well, I want to speak to that first group of amazing people. If you haven't made Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life, today's a great day to do it. Remember the Bible says, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Make a decision. Well, today could be your day, and you're not joining a church. This isn't becoming a member of a church. This is becoming a member of the family of God. He's making room for you today, making room for you in his love and in his purpose and in his family and in heaven. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, that's me, I want to make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of my life, we're going to say a prayer that's quick but it's powerful. And if you say, that's me, I want to make Jesus Lord and Savior, just raise your hand and put it right back up and Put it right down. Yep, hands are up everywhere. I guarantee you at every location. Let's go ahead and all say this prayer together as we close, all right? Jesus, I come to you today, and I declare you as my leader and my Lord. Forgive me for all I've done wrong. I believe you died for me. I want to live for you. Come into my life. I accept 
your unconditional love that I didn't earn, but you freely give. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, put your hands together for all those that prayed.